Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hi, it's Allison. Welcome back to the podcast. This edition of the podcast is going to be a Q&A session for you, and I've got three questions. Let me just remind people that I always appreciate having questions to answer, and so you can always uh, send me an email. The email address is in the show notes, hashtag AskAllison. As well, I hold a regular Thursday Facebook Live at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, and people show up there to ask me questions, and when we run out of time, um, I uh, often take the overflow and answer them here. So if you'd like to hear something live time, you can join us on Facebook as well. Hear a lot more questions answered if it's being helpful for you. But we'll get going on uh, the three that we have for us today. So this one starts, hi, Allison. Hope this email finds you well. I've been following your podcast from day one and have immensely benefited from it. So I wanted to thank you for sharing your wise advice. Well, thank you for being a loyal fan and um, I'm glad it's all being helpful. Um, She goes on to say, I was hoping you could help me understand our current family dynamic. My husband and I have an almost three-year-old. In the last year, she has shown a clear preference for my husband. As an example, if I pick her up from daycare, she looks at me and seems disappointed, which does not happen with my husband. She doesn't like to hold my hand if we are walking out. 
She wants daddy to do certain things for her, change her, feed her, etc., and will not let me help with those. She has said things like, I love you, daddy, but not mommy. For some context, both of us are career-oriented parents. However, my work is less flexible than his and has thus resulted in him being a little more of a present parent than I am. For example, he does most of the drop-off and pick-up from daycare, and also on weekends, sometimes I have to go work for a few hours to catch up and he will stay with her. Knowing this, I'm not entirely surprised that she has a stronger bond with her father. However, I didn't think it would have resulted in her not wanting to engage much with me. When I'm at home with the family, I'm usually very involved and believe in quality time. This includes spending time playing with her, being affectionate. My husband thinks my mom guilt might be causing me to be overbearing and overaffectionate, which results in her pushing me away. As my career goals will not allow me to slow down anytime soon, do you have any advice on how to navigate this? Is it temporary? It does hurt my feelings when these situations occur and feeds into my mommy guilt for the time that I'm away from her. Thanks so much for your advice. And thanks so much for your question. Uh, yes, I have some thoughts to share. And um, I often think about how often the tables are turned where there's fathers who feel marginalized and, you know, kind of can't work their way in. But obviously it happens in both directions and it's never comfortable for, for any party. So let me begin by saying that um, when we look at children's uh, repeated behaviors that don't meet the needs of the situation, this is how we define them as being a, a mistaken approach. We uh, try to categorize it and find out what the child's goal is. You know, what is the child trying to accomplish with their behavior and under the age of 10 if you've been following this podcast you'll know that we have that attention power revenge and avoidance are the four categories and the way that we know the, the how we figure out which goal it is is we look at the um parents emotional res uh, feelings around the child's behavior and what happens when the um parent responds to the child uh, how the child reacts to the to the correction or the response so it's very important that this very last paragraph says, it does hurt my feelings. I know this might seem hard for some people to, to believe is valid, but if it's hurting your feelings or your feelings feel hurt, then that is her goal, to hurt your feelings. And she's doing it well. And um, I'm sorry that your feelings are, are being hurt and that she's figured out a way to do it. But what we have to realize when we're in the goal of revenge Revenge is really a child saying, I'm going to hurt you as you have hurt me. And then we have to be willing to be open to the idea that a child never revenges first. It's always in, in response to a perceived hurt. And notice again, I'm saying perceived hurt. I'm sure that you have not intentionally gone out and hurt your child. But what it could be, and this is where, you know, we change the narrative, which is she loves you so darn much that Maybe she is hurt by the fact that your career is um, important and that you don't get the drop-offs at daycare and um, you don't get the time uh, that daddy has. And she is making you pay for that. And how would she know how to hurt you? Well, as your um, husband has pointed out to you, you might have tipped the cards on what's important to you because if you're really, you know, spending a lot of time making sure that you're close and bonded and you're saying like, give mommy a kiss and give me a hug and curl up over here and hold my hand. And then all she has to do is, is negate those things and say, I don't want to hug. I don't want to hold your hand. I don't want you to tuck me. And when she pushes you away, typically as, as a parent, then we end up reacting and responding in a different way. 
It's our facial expression. It's our tone of voice. You might go like, oh, but mommy really wants a hug. Don't you want to hug mommy? Or whatever it is, she knows that you want to get close to her and she's not letting you get close to her. Now, I'll tell you an example from my own life, and maybe this will illustrate um, this idea of she loves you so much she's hurt. I remember the first time that um, my then husband went away on a business trip, and my kids were about the same age. And when he came back from the business trip, it was the first time he'd left the family for longer than a day. He, he was gone for a week. Well, my two and a something month old didn't talk to him or make eye contact to him for over another week. She was just like, you were dead to me. It was unbelievable. I thought, how does this young kid know how to do this relational rejection, this social rejection? But it was very much a tit for tat. You leave me, then I'm not letting you, you know, I'm going to make you pay for that being away. So I think she loves you so much that she's giving you a hard time about this, that maybe she does feel second fiddle in your life. And, um, So how do we make some headway here? Well, the first thing that I would say is when it comes to division of labor, I think this is a really important point. It isn't up to her. If tonight it's a mummy tuck-in, then she doesn't get to say, I want daddy instead. Say, I'm sorry, daddy's not available. It's my night. You know, you you can have a a tuck-in with me or no tuck-in at all. You can get tucked in happier. You can get tucked in crying, but tonight it's my night. And you know, no, I'm sorry, daddy's not available to zip your coat, but I'm here right now. I can help you. He's not available. So I, I wouldn't be um, letting her call the shots uh, because I think that is part of her feeling uh, powerful and, um, you know, uh, it, 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 usurping power where it really doesn't belong. You two are co-raising her and she uh, needs to have experiences of having you serve her food and you change her diaper and you bathing her and you tucking her in. And um, again, she can do those things happily or not happily, uh, but she can't demand that she's going to basically crawl into a bubble with her father. That's, that's not okay. Um, So, so I I wouldn't let her call the shots there. And then um, I would try to decrease my uh, emotional distress and my guilt when she's doing these things, because again, if you can see it is not like, um, it, it, it's uh, it, it, it's not out of rejection. It, it's it's out of love, if you understand what I'm saying there. So if you can keep your emotionality in check and keep it on the lowdown, so that when she doesn't want to hold your hand, you're like, okay, well, my hand is always, you know, my hand's available anytime you want it. Um, like just try to not let her, you know, don't don't go into the whole like, oh, but I like holding your hand. Why don't you want to hold my hand today? I, don't don't play into it. Just I would really minimize that. And so there's nothing wrong with being, you know, affectionate and and all those good things that are regular bonding, you know, playing with your kid and giving them your time and giving them your attention. But as your as your husband says, it might be that you're compensating and overdoing. And so uh, when something's important to us, it's in that overdoing that we respond intensely, uh, more quickly and in a more dramatic way. And that's exactly how our kids learn where our buttons are for, for pushing our value set. And she has figured out your value set for sure. So she's a smart kid. Um, it sounds like she would like to have a better relationship with you. And she seems to be a little bit jealous about the fact that dad shows up and, and uh, seems to have more time for the relationship than you. Um, do I think she'll grow out of it? Well, I think if you, if you don't let it get under your skin and um, you, you, 
keep making your regular efforts to connect with her, um, then I think that should be absolutely fine. And I think she'll, she'll um, move along or realize that it's not getting the, it's not getting the uh, benefit that it was before uh, because you're not being hurt by it. And, and all she's really doing is losing out on having some time with you. So hopefully that will help. Hopefully that will help. Next question. Hi, Allison. I've been in touch before and you've had some very helpful advice. Thank you so much. This might be one for your podcast if you can squeeze it in. My question today, do you have any advice to help with a nearly six-year-old perfectionist? She's a fabulous girl with a huge imagination, lots of creativity and curiosity about the world. However, she's highly sensitive and easily meltdowns over the little things. Recently, she found a design for a pumpkin, which her dad set out to carve, but it wasn't quite the way she wanted. She just couldn't cope and went into power revenge dance because we couldn't make another. When crafting, writing, and drawing, she gets very angry if things aren't perfect. Related to the perfectionism and self-image, she also gets embarrassed easily. Like if I talk about her in front of friends, which comes out as anger with us. The hard part is she shuts me down if we try to talk about these things, even though approaching delicately at bedtime. How can we empower her and lessen the sensitivity to things that she can't control going wrong or when she feels embarrassed? I'm a big fan of encouragement and the growth mindset approach. We read feeling books and talk about making mistakes as well as me modeling and also use role play as much as possible. We have weekly family meetings, but I find it hard to bring up issues without her taking it negatively. Are there any play therapy ideas that might help or any books that you would recommend? We'd love to hear from you. So as I'm trying to understand this, a couple things sort of stick out here. First of all, she's six. And so she's still learning emotional regulation. Um, and uh, you might find that the meltdowns and the blow ups and those things get better as she ages. Not that that's an excuse to just wait it out. But just so you know, um, they tend to be a little bit more fragile. But she should be starting to, you know, six, seven, eight, like she should be able to start being, you know, getting a handle on some of these things here. I would be very curious to know what happens in the classroom when you folks aren't around. Does she um, also have meltdowns when she can't use the scissors properly and cut something out at craft time? Or when she's drawing her letters, does she also get explosive in the classroom? Or is this really just for the reaction and response from you folks? So I think that really will help us differentiate whether or not she can't can manage her emotional regulation or she ref- or she's using her emotions manipulate and when i say manipulatively i want to make sure that i'm really being clear here because i don't want to disrespect children i i'm not saying that she's doing this from a position of awareness uh, what i'm saying is is that it, it's goal directed it's a creative solution to make something happen and it's happening out of her consciousness And she doesn't know why she does what she does. But if she does it repeatedly, it's to serve a purpose. And um, so what I find interesting here is when she she sees the design pumpkin and her dad is doing it. And it's not the the imperfection is not her own skill set. It's her dad's. And she gets mad at him. And the thing that she gets upset about is that 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 it can't make another. This is very demanding behavior. Um, and it makes me wonder whether or not, I mean, why would you get really upset about learning that you couldn't make another pumpkin unless you had lived six years on the planet that when you protest and demand things, 
that maybe people say, okay, okay, I'll go to the store, I'll get another pumpkin, or okay, okay, you know, um, I burnt your your toast, I'll I'll get I'll make you another piece instead of scraping off the brown bits, um, or you know, oh, okay, okay, you don't like that dress, let's change into three other ones. There's something that tells me that maybe she uses this emotionality, and she does get her way in situations by being demanding and has the assumption then so that when you say, no, we can't get another pumpkin, that's like, what? That's not how this usually goes down. Usually I get what I want when I stamp my feet. So I would definitely make sure that we are paying attention to not caving and tiptoeing and walking on eggshells around this person and um, that we have to have the a, a true respect that at the age of six, that she is completely capable of understanding the reality of life. And the reality of life is you don't always get the meal that you want. And sometimes you burn, you burn the toast and you don't get to waste another piece of bread. You got to scrape off the old bits. And, you know, sometimes you carve a pumpkin and it looks like crap. And, you know, next year we'll try again. So she's been a little protected, it seems, from the imperfections of life. So I don't want to protect her from from dealing with the reality that life is messy and life is sloppy and that you have to tolerate it. So I love the, the, that book, Bringing Up Bebe, where it was the um, American expat raising her child in, in France. And she said, the French have an expression where they say, every day you must frustrate the child. Um, and what I mean is they were the, in, they're much less caring uh, uh, than Americans are around kids getting upset around things. Um, so the frustrating part is, is really that idea. You don't always get to be the line leader. And if you drop your ice cream cone, sorry, we don't have money for another one. Like this, um, this, we, they don't protect and pamper kids the same way there. And the truth is life is frustrating for everybody, for everybody. It's the nature of life. You, you don't get all the green lights when you're going to work. Sometimes you get red lights and the, sometimes the subway has a mechanical problem and you're going to be late and, Life is just a series of frustrations, and that's the reality. So we, we got to stop rescuing kids from facing from facing life. And um, so the other thing I would say is is you know you've you've done so many good things here with you've got the encouragement, you've got the growth mindset, you've got the family meetings. Like I love all that. Like you're clearly up on your parenting, which is fantastic, and you're trying to implement these things. But I wonder if part of it would just be to just have a good laugh with it. You know, you don't need to talk to her at bedtime about things because kids really learn experientially, which is why I love that you said, you know, can we try some play therapy as opposed to, I don't think talking to her about this is is how she's going to uh, change her attitude. I mean, not at bedtime intensely. It might be just those little pearls of of wisdom that you drop kind of one at a time when she's, um, you know, frustrated with something. Uh, and we kind of say something like, you know, I'm sorry it didn't turn out the way you wanted to, but you'll manage. Oh, there's always another piece of artwork. We can always try again tomorrow. Like those kind of little encouraging things. And then not getting pulled into her drama. Um, and I'm I'm really fine with saying that, you know, her drama does not need to, to um, change your state of mind, is not something you need to address. And so it's okay to say that, it, you know, if you'd like to be upset, and you'd like to continue really getting emotional about your your picture, that's fine. Why don't you go tell it to your teddy bear and come back when you're when you're uh, feeling a little bit more social. 
And uh, so it's not a timeout. It's not a punishment. I don't want anyone to think that. But the truth is like these, when you create a storm system like this, and then you pull people in, you're really training for some misguided ways to get engagement with people. And, and, you know, you take that trajectory out to a 14, a 17 year old or a 27 year old, like people make drama to pull people in and it's not a good, not a good approach to life. And they, we learn it early in life. So I would not engage with that, you know, come back to the craft table when you feel like, you know, uh, when you got your happy face again. So it's okay for you to be upset. I'm not saying don't be upset. In fact, I can say you like things to be just so, and you really get upset when they're not. So you can say it, you can name it, you can validate it. I'm, I'm not being dismissive. I'm not minimizing, but I'm also just basically saying you know, in, in, a, in a social environment, we have a responsibility to caretake our fellow person, which is to not pull the whole mood of the house down because of your situation. So I think at this point, we're really talking about how do we increase her courage? One of the Adlerian terms or Dreykersian terms, we say that um, we need to have the courage to be imperfect. Our children need to have the courage to be imperfect. So that's a lot around encouragement, but it's also about increasing her social interest that your value in life isn't whether or not you cut a pumpkin perfectly or whether or not your craft comes out perfectly. Perfection is not the way that we get our worth, that we we are um, born with our worth and that we're here to be in service of our fellow man. So yeah, we want to grow and develop ourselves, but the more we get the focus off us and perfection and how we're doing and put the focus on how are you, um, what can I do for you, how can I help you, how can I make a contribution? So I would ask yourself, is she doing enough I mean, it's great that you got the family meeting so she can like voice her herself there. But um, what else is she doing to help out and help other people? Does she have jobs in the classroom? Does she is she expected to help out around the house? Does she pitch in? Does she take care of, you know, pets or, um, you know, what what kind of doing for others? Is she a good friend to her friends? Does she think she's look out for her friends? Does she share her her candy with her friends? <laughs> Whatever it might be. Um, so social interest is the care and concern for other people. And um, she's not having much care and concern about how her mood is bringing down the family when she has these little outbursts. And as soon as you start caring about other people, it immediately increases your dopamine, uh, serotonin, like it's, it's a happy hit. It changes the whole endocrinology of your body when you help other people. So I want to really get her um, helping and contributing. Really, I, I don't have any like particular play therapy things to share with you um, or books, but I think it's, you could do, uh, I, I think like just creative storytelling where you just, again, make up a story and, and maybe you, I don't know, use animal examples or something and just, you know, the difference between the one little beaver who was trying to build his dam and he, you know, he was new at it and he didn't know how to do it. And he was putting the sticks this way and putting the sticks that way. And none of them were going right. Cause he'd never built a dam before. And then his little neighbor was, you know, also building his first dam. But every time the sticks went wrong, he stamped his feet and he blew, you know, like got so upset and he huffed and he puffed and he refused to go on. And, you know, the guy who persisted and didn't let it eat away at him finally after two and three and five versions, he had a dam and the one that got all huffy and puffy and didn't practice and didn't stick it out and got mad at the world and raged at the sun. Um, it, it turned out that he didn't have a place to sleep. And so his friend who had been calm and persistent and stuck with it and learned was a good friend and invited him in. Uh, you know, and the moral of the story is everybody's a beginner, even the, even the beavers. And um, if you stick with it, 
There's no sense being angry. Um, just have patience and be gentle with yourself or something. And you don't have to say kind of like you and the scissors or you and your arts and crafts. You don't have to tie it together. Kids understand. So you might just have stories that have to do with that kind of a thing. And you can make, you can make them up. You can make them up in your head. And if it persists, of course, there is actually play therapy. And you could find a play therapist in your, in your neighborhood and they would do much more creative things than that. And they would dig into her. If it was an Illyrian play therapist, they would dig into the lifestyle and they would understand some of the private logic and some of the misguided fictions and, and, you know, use play to, to give them an, uh, an opportunity to think differently about a situation. That's really what we wanted to do that, that maybe things not being perfect aren't so bad. 
doing it for them. So they actually don't want advice. They don't want help. And you've got to be okay stepping back and letting life do the the, the learning that they're going to learn experientially. They're going to learn by doing mistakes. And what they need to know is that you love them unconditionally. And when they have to pick themselves up in the morning and go, oh man, I, I shouldn't have eaten all that Halloween candy. I feel sick. Um, that's how they're going to learn. And when they're like, oh, I procrastinated on my homework and I didn't get the mark I wanted on my test. And you're like, oh, sounds like you got yourself in a sticky situation. Um, you know, it sounds like you'll figure it out for the next time. I mean, they have to fail. So they have to fail, 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 mistake, mistake, mistake. And we just need to make sure they don't confuse the, those, those failures and mistakes are personal failures and that it doesn't impact our love for them. So stop reminding, stop nagging, don't offer help and advice. And if you are unsolicited, you know, you might say something like, oh, well, I have a thought or two about that. If you want some ideas, let me know. I would be very selective about inserting my great wisdom to an 11 year old that doesn't want it. You know, so I think in terms of then how do you build up the relationship? When we try to move away from being, I just, I just learned this new word, momagerial. We want to be relational instead of momagerial, which is to let go of all the whole, like, have you got your homework done? Have you had a shower? You know, all that stuff where we're just managing our kids that eats up all our time. And the relational is just like, you know, getting to know him, being curious, trying to like see him with fresh eyes. You know, what, what is he interested in and why is he interested in it? And just dropping the judgment and being curious about what kind of a person he is and, you know, do things that he's interested in. So if he likes ultimate Frisbee, then go play ultimate Frisbee. If he really likes some sport, go buy tickets to a game and just go in the stands and enjoy it and drop the whole, like, are you wearing a clean shirt? And did you get mustard down the front of it? And just drop all that. What whip do you do? The, the number one value is relationship and connection. Then other stuff doesn't matter. It, you know, just let it go, let it go. And the more you have those opportunities to connect in those ways, and it'll take him a while to build up his trust that you're you're not going to be critical or managerial or nagging and reminding or whatever he's concerned about controlling when you can rebuild his trust that no, you're just like in it for fun in in it for him, then with time, you'll build up that that relationship. And if it turns out that things aren't improving, then, you know, this is what family counseling is for. We can work on, we can find out where, where he's got a chip on his shoulder and, and listen to him when he talks. If he, if he's got some feedback for you, then um, don't defend yourself. Just say, thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't realize that I was being annoying in that way. I, it's not my in, intent to be annoying. I, I, I appreciate your feedback. I, I want us to have a good relationship and sounds like I'm not doing it well, <laughs> but that's so much better than like, you know, what do you mean? I, I, I do lots for you. I just drove you to the mall and ugh, whatever. And what do you mean? I like your sister more. How can you possibly say that when I X, Y, like y- you have to be willing to find out why they're, you know, what, why they're having a hard time relating. So in the end here, we, you know, we, we want to get him to be cooperative with you. And instead of, you know, being defiant, if we're going to win his cooperation, we got to warm up the relationship and we got to do it not only just in terms of closeness and, and affection and all those kinds of things so that there's some sort of personal intimacy happening, but also in a way that doesn't make him feel one downed by being the child in the relationship. So I'm not by any stretch of the imagination saying that he should get the privileges of a 17 year old. But what I mean is when you're making agreements and setting limits and boundaries and and having to deal with the discipline parts of an 11 year old, that we make sure that we do it in a way that doesn't belittle or demean him. 
And believe it or not, saying something a child already knows is, is belittling, reminding is belittling, um, all those the nagging, a lot of what we do in the name of discipline actually does belittle our kids and they resent it. They end up getting into those defiant positions where they, they won't tolerate it. So it may be that it's time to like refresh some of the tools in your toolkit and figure out how to respond in situations so that they don't escalate into power struggles that he has to be so defiant back to you. There you go. Hope that's helpful. And thank you again, everybody, for your questions. And um, we will see you next time for the next Q&A. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.